Listener Production. I think it's really important for people to know as well that it's not easy and it might look like that from the outside, but... You know, most days I feel like I'm failing at both my job and being a mum. I think that's really normal and I think it's okay to talk about that, normalise that, but you're right. You can't then let the bully in your head take that to a dark place. You've just got to go, look, I'm human. (laughs) The wheels have fallen off this week and that's okay. We can pick ourselves up and dust ourselves off and do it all again next week. Hi, I'm Jess Rowe and this is the Jess Rowe Big Talk Show a podcast that skips the small talk and goes big and deep. From love to loss and everything in between, I want to show you a different side of people who seem to have it all together in these raw and honest conversations about the things that matter. Sarah Harris is one of Australia's best-known journalists and TV presenters. She's also a dear friend of mine, and we came to know each other sharing a desk on Studio 10. Since then, a lot has happened in Sarah's life. She's split with her husband, and they're co-parenting their young sons. Sarah is now co-host of The Project. It's one of the most high-profile jobs on the telly. And I wanted to ask Sarah how she's coping with life in the spotlight. Oh, Sarah! (laughs) Finally, I get to have you on my podcast. Oh, it's so nice to see you. You are the only woman, Jessica Rowe, who walks through the airport with a smile from ear to ear. Just walking around. That's where I bumped into you last. You were on your way to your holiday with your beautiful girls and I'm there like cranky as anything because I hate airports so much. And you're just there wandering along, living your best life. Well, it's good to smile though and I was so excited to see you though. And, And also airports make me smile because I'm sort of excited about, oh, where are we going and who might I meet and just being open to different things. But being open to different sorts of things, you're one of those people, Mm. I reckon. I mean, you've had so much change and so much that has happened. (laughs) (laughs) Haven't you? So much. One of my favourite books is a book called How to Murder Your Life by Kat Marnell. I didn't quite murder my life, but I've certainly blown it up, haven't I? The way my life looked six years ago is completely different to how it looks now. And it's not something I was planning on, but that's kind of life, right? You think you're okay. What, what do they say? Was it John Lennon who said, life's what is what happens when you're busy making other plans? And it's so true. But Things. it is so true. Where does that come from, that bravery to make the changes? Because a lot of us can just get stuck in doing the same thing. I was thinking about this only over the weekend because, you know, when you've been through so much change, you've had the tower moment and then you're kind of standing him amongst the rubble, surveying what's happened, going, okay, what am I going to bring into this next stage of my life? You kind of go, how did I get through that couple of years? How did I get through those past three years? And I think I don't let myself stop. And I think part of the reason I'm like that is because, you know, I came from pretty humble beginnings. And you could say, for a really long time, I had a bit of a chip on my shoulder, which was really good for me. I think it pushed me forward. It propelled me forward. 
but it gets to a point when you're like, do you want some salsa with that chip on your shoulder? And it's not a good thing and can hold you back. So after shedding another layer, I kind of found myself in a place where I was like, you know, this is what life is. You just got to pick yourself up and keep moving on. You can't stop. You just got to keep going. So I think it's that. I think it's a, a bit of, you know, being driven from, you know, humble beginnings and, and wanting to make something of myself, partly because when you have little kids, you can't stop. There's not a lot of rest and you have to keep going for them. And just because you never know what's around the corner. And if you hang in long enough, your fortune changes, don't you think? Of course it does, but it's not yeah. even fortune changing. To me, I think it's about if you don't really put yourself out there mm. and be brave, you're going to miss out on the joyful things. Sure, it's scary and hard, but you do that because you want that joy that to me is then the trade-off from that. Exactly. It's so funny though, towards the end of last year, before this job offer at the project came up, and it was not something that I was looking for, I had a year left on my contract at 10 and felt like things were wrapping up for me and I couldn't shake the feeling and I would find myself going onto LinkedIn <laughs> and saving job ads. Uh, like, you know, New South Wales Department of Transport because I thought, you know, my kids love trains and, you know, I'll be able to get an Opal card for free and, you know, I can kind of move into working maybe a bit more normal hours and kind of just invest in my, you know, that kind of side of my life for a while. So, to have an opportunity like this come out of nowhere and then all of a sudden go, well, but I've already kind of started planning what my life's going to look like and then having to throw that out and go, well, let's let's see how this goes. And it was one of those things that I went, oh, if I don't say yes to this opportunity and I hate having regrets, I will beat myself up over this if I don't say yes. If I do it and fail, great, well, then you've got your answer. And... Um, couple of months into the job, it felt like I'd reached that point, let me just say. Oh, but come on, <laughs> why do you say that? Because the thing is, it's not about failure. It's about we learn all the time. There we go. It is. It's true. And, you know, you got to take every shot, right? And instead of wishing you'd pushed yourself more. I mean... But you know, wait a minute. Why do you think you failed? Oh, I don't think I failed. I think finding yourself or finding myself in the middle of a pretty wild media scandal, which oh, was just hideous to be in the middle of it. During an interview last night, our guest told a joke which we know was deeply and needlessly offensive to many of you. We want to acknowledge the particular offence and hurt that that caused our Muslim, but especially our Christian viewers. Uh, obviously, I understand just how profound that offence was. Yeah, live TV is it's unpredictable. And when this happened in the last few moments of last night's show, it genuinely took us all by surprise. And there wasn't a lot of time to react in any sort of considered way. Uh, it's fair to say we weren't expecting a comment like that to be made. We wouldn't knowingly broadcast it, of course. We acknowledge the offence that it caused, but more than that, we're sorry. And then having, you know, people demanding that I be sacked and the show being taken off air, that was, that was a lot to confront the first eight weeks. But in a way, it was kind of good. It wasn't good that it happened. It was not good that anyone was feeling hurt or upset. But for me, it was almost ripping the Band-Aid off and I knew just how bad it could get. And I went, OK, well, that's survivable. It wasn't the most pleasant couple of weeks. Had to change a few settings on my social media pages, but I got through it. And 
then you kind of go, okay, well, I can just be myself a bit more now. So I feel like it was good for me in a way, having been through that very humbling experience. (laughs) I know you though very well and you are one of the strongest and toughest people I know in terms of your resilience. Mm. You are. You're extraordinary. and Yeah, but you've seen me pretty low as well, Miss Jess. I remember being on Studio 10 with you and bawling in my um, dressing room. And if I didn't have a woman like you literally in the dressing room next door to me, lending me, you know, a kind ear, a hug, talking me off the ledge, I mean... Yes, I'm strong, but I've also been so fortunate to have these extraordinary people around me who have held my hand and reached up and pulled me up behind them. I mean, thank you for saying that, beautiful. I, it's almost, I feel like a bit like your big sister in a way. I'm very, (laughs) I still, I mean, I don't see enough of you because I know how busy you are, but I'm very protective of you and Mm. having you next to me, with the dressing room and all of those sorts of things, I just sort of wanted to look out for you because I think it's so important that we support one another and make sure that people around us can be as good as they possibly can. And both of us know how tough the media environment can be, but it doesn't have to be. And I think what... I loved about getting to know you and working with you was that I think we had this wonderful kind of magic time or magic spot where we were one another's greatest cheerleaders and that's where, don't you reckon, we do our best work? A thousand percent. And, you know, it was interesting. I'd met you for the first time 10 years before Studio 10 when I was at Channel 9 and I was tasked with interviewing celebrities on the red carpet at the Logies. And I remember uh, walking up to the Channel 10 newsreaders. That was you, Tash Belling and Sandra Sully. And I just remember you in particular had stopped. And it's, look, red carpets are crazy, I understand that, but you really made an effort with me. And I think it's because I had short hair yes. like you. <laughs> I so clearly remember that moment, Sarah, because you're walking along and as you say, it's such with all the cameras and all of that, you're like, oh, what's going on? You get distracted and I understand. I don't think anyone's being, but you in particular, you you just stopped and you were like, are you okay, beautiful? Are you having a good time? You were just so kind. And that kind of chip on my shoulder that I was talking about that I kind of grew up with and what propelled me forward, you helped soften that because I think one of the greatest lessons you taught me, Miss Jessica Rowe, was that good guys can finish first and it doesn't have to be dog eat dog. It's not the 80s in television anymore. And if you live your life with pure and good intentions, you really can't go wrong. Oh, That's Sarah, you, Jess. you, you are. make me cry now. I'm still swearing. <laughs> <laughs> but I have ta- I've taken things from you, Miss Jess. I've taken things and lessons and values and... You know, that's been really special for me to have someone to look at like a like a, a big sister to me, a very young big sister. But With yeah, Botox, some, I love my Botox. Keeps oh, me, you me know, frown free. <laughs> so thank you, Aww. thank you. And I don't hey. think I don't think we often get enough. We don't get many chances. And I think I'm probably a little bit reflective as well, given the circumstances, the tragicness of Jock Zonfrillo passing away. But it, it just reminded me we don't tell people enough that we love them, we appreciate them, and we're thankful 
for them. And yeah, just thought I'd take that opportunity to tell you. Oh, Sarah, well, I love you and I'm thankful for you. And you are such a special soul because for me, I think about your resilience, your strength, your humour, and also you have the most extraordinary work ethic. I don't think I've probably met as many people, many people who work as hard as you do. Where does that come from? I mean, you you were talking earlier about you don't stop, you just keep going, going. But where does that sense of I'm going to work hard come from? I think it's a number of things, but I think part of it is, and I hate that I'm 41, turning 42 in a few months, and I still struggle with this. And I wonder if this is something that is just a lifelong thing. There is still an element of imposter syndrome there. And I even feel like at school, I was a good student, but I had to study hard. I wasn't one of those kids that just read things once and, you know, it would stick and I'd be able to apply it perfectly. I'd literally go home and I'd spend six hours a night studying and I would write my notes out by hand so I would commit it to my memory. And I still remember, I've still got like the big calluses on my fingers from where I'd like write all these notes. So I kind of feel like I've brought that with me throughout my life. I might not be the very best at something, but I'll work bloody hard at it and I'll try to get there with just grit and determination. That's kind of, I feel like that's what gives me my strength, if that makes sense. Of course it makes sense. And, you know, you've worked pretty much, I would say, every job in media you've done. You've done the order queue, you've been a researcher, (laughs) you've done all the bits. So you're someone who never comes to something unprepared. I feel that was such a blessing for me and a real gift to start at the very bottom because it really taught me that what I do is just one tiny little bit of the television puzzle and there are a number of people who have to come together and work in perfect unison to to get something to air. And it's made me more aware of what other people do, but also thankful and appreciative. And I've never come into television and gone, well, I'm a host or I'm a reporter. I can't do that. That's beneath me. It's just, I'm very much muck in. Everyone roll your sleeves up, get it done. We're all here to do a job. And what a wonderful job that we have. How lucky are we to be here? You know, it's, it's, pretty special to work in the industry that we do. Yeah. and It's a privilege. Yeah. And it's the other day, for example, I was at work at 6am and I interviewed Jane Fonda, Candice Bergen, (gasps) and Mary Steenberger. I know. Stop it. Wild. And they were just on fire. They'd been at lunch, you know, 85, 70 and 76. They are living their best lives, just blazing trails like you wouldn't believe. And then like duck to make up. And then I went back to go out and interview Andy Allen, who'd just lost his best mate. And the kind of the gear shift and the gear change from that was was big. But at the end of that day, I sat down and went, that was just such a privilege, first of all, to talk to three icons of Hollywood, these female icons who were, you know, breaking down all these old stigmas of what it means to age. And then I got to sit across from a bloke who is grappling with the loss of his mate. And that was an honour. It was a real honour to tell those stories. We're so lucky to do what we do. I hope as well that you take a moment to stop and to actually think, you know what? I'm good at this. I'm enough. Uh, I've got, yes, I've got to, I need to practice that a bit more. I need to get into gratitude a bit more. No, I think. no, no, you see, this is 
this again. This is what I do. You're going into, oh, now this is the task. It needs to be a gratitude journal to write things down. No, it doesn't have to be that organised. It's more, I just, I really want for you to take that moment to think, oh, look at me. Look at what the life that you have made happen for you. No one else has done this. As you say, through grit and determination, you have paved this way for yourself. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I often think what can be your superpower can also be your undoing. I think that grit and determination and kind of one-eyed focus that I have is great. It's probably helped get me as far as I've gotten in my career. But on the flip side, it can be something that paralyzes me with fear, feeling critical of myself, not feeling good enough. And it's just learning how to how to ride those kind of waves and kind of stay on an even keel because, yeah, it's if you go too far one way, you kind of you, you upset the balance of it all. So I'm, I'm learning that, Jess. I'm learning that. I'm learning it. <laughs> and the thing is, I'm not there yet either. But oh, I thank more goodness more. for that. Oh, as if, <laughs> hello, I'm learning my entire life. You know that. But I think more and more, as you say, w- with the sorts of stories that we share with people, the things you learn, it makes you think about, well, what is it that matters? And I need to sit in this moment and actually go, yes, look at this, rather than, oh, I've got to keep going, going, going. I feel like in so many ways, kids have helped me stop and understand what's important. The time that I have with my boys is just, oh, the smell of them. I just cannot get enough of their smell and they're funny. They're hilarious and they're silly and they drive me crazy because they fight. It's like World War Three in my lounge room, but I love it. You know, I even uh, had the boys down in Melbourne just recently and like Harry's little cars are around the house. Like they are just, oh, they, they are my everything, those boys. And I think they were a big part of who I have become. And yeah, just teaching me about a love that I'd, like you just, you just, I'd never known it. I'd never known something like that. And it was just life affirming and yeah, just, yeah, those boys are incredible. I don't, I don't know what else to say about them. They just, oh, I'm getting a bit teary. <laughs> but even listening to you and seeing you talk about them, I can see it. I can see it in oh. your beautiful face and the way that even you slow down in the way that you speak and the whole, that sense of what it is they bring to you and what they mean. Oh, so I've got a pretty crazy schedule. So like Monday mornings, I drop the boys off to school before I head to the airport and go to Melbourne. I'm back on Thursdays. But um, the last thing Paul does every time he gets out of the car, he turns around and he says, bye, mummy, love you. And he does a little love. Oh! And it just gets me every single time. I've stopped crying on the way home now to get before I get picked up to go to the airport. But the first few weeks. They were hard. They were really hard. But what I've learned is that my kids are super resilient and fun. And it's actually better in a way because when I'm with them, I am a thousand percent with them. I'm not trying to organize, 
you know, shoots and, uh, you know, stories for the next day or anything. I'm not juggling phone calls when I'm with them. Phones on do not disturb. That's why no one can even get through to me on a weekend. And I'm just 100% present with them. And that's been a good lesson for me too. It's been a really good lesson to carve out boundaries and make space for the things that are super important to me. And those boys, I mean, they're part of me. I don't feel like myself when I'm away from them for too long. Yeah, they make me me. Sounds a bit weird, doesn't it? <laughs> no, it doesn't, Sarah. It's so beautiful. And it's, of course, because they're a part of you. And it's, I think also, it's, I think forever, when I think about our kids, you're sort of connected. It's almost like this silver thread and they're tugging. So that's why they're forever sort of linked to you. And and they do make you whole and they make you think about the things that do matter. But also I think, as you mentioned, what they teach you. And I I had never expected that I would learn so much from my kids as well. Mm. What's the biggest thing you've learned? To listen. Yes. Yes. You're so right because we often do the, yep, yep, sure, yep, coming, yep, yep, to really stop, look in their eyes and listen. My kids have taught me patience. I'm a bull at a gate, I'm a million <laughs> miles an hour. And... I think you just, you can't be like that with little kids. You've just got to go at their pace. And look, sometimes I've had to go quick, quick, quick in the car, in the car. but I'm certainly a lot more patient, certainly from the time my time on Studio 10. <laughs> <laughs> Herding you cats around. Oh I my know. God, I got very impatient, very cracking. <laughs> you were so good at cracking the whip, Sarah, because we would all be carrying on like pork chops and wanting to make up points and you've got people in your ear going, wrap them up, move them along. And I'd be nodding at you and we'd still be talking. (laughs) (laughs) God, we have fun. That was such a gift, that show. Oh, wasn't it? it? The people on it were just, like, it was, it was magic. It really was. It was just, I, I feel like I learned so much about myself on that show and grew up and made lifelong friends on that show. But yeah, and you're a big part of that, Miss Jess, so thank you. Oh, but right back at you, my darling. You're a, such a massive part of that. And, you know, thinking about when I first met you, you were a single, and now look at you, hosting the biggest show in Australia on the telly. You've oh, got yeah. two beautiful boys and, you know, your life is just charging ahead. And as I said, I think earlier on to you, I just want you as well to still take time for you. It's hard amongst all of the noise of a big job, the demands of your boys, to also have space for you. Definitely. Thank you. And I think I think it's really important for people to know as well that it's not easy. And it might look like that from the outside, but you know, most days I feel like I'm failing at both my job and being a mum. I think that's really normal. And I think it's okay to talk about that, normalise that, but you're right. You can't then let the bully in your head take that to a dark place. You've just got to go, look, I'm human. (laughs) The wheels have fallen off this week and that's okay. We could pick ourselves up and dust ourselves off and do it all again next week. I mean, there's certainly been days and, I mean, whole weeks where I've gone, well, that was a waste of makeup, wasn't it? (laughs) Very big waste of makeup. But then you keep pushing on and, you know, the world does spin on a dime as well as... When you feel like, and it felt like for a while there, kind of over COVID in particular, that the darkness would just never end. It just felt like it was just ongoing. I thought this is just 
is this the new normal? Is this how it feels now? Is this kind of where I'm at? And then you just hear a glimmer of light and a glimmer of hope and you've got to hang on to that. You've got to keep walking towards the light. So, yeah, that's the mental pep talk I've been giving myself on the plane on the way down and the way up every week. And when you talk about that darkness during COVID, do you mean depression? Is that what you mean? Well, look, I've definitely struggled with that, Jess. You know that. And you've been a big supporter, actually, of when I've had really shocking mental health days. Sure. Anxiety was really bad for me. Just constantly thinking, like, having that sense of impending doom, like something really bad was just about to happen in the pit of your stomach and it not going away. It's staying there. And then... I wasn't able to get my breath. Like I was really struggling to like take full breaths. It wasn't until actually I caught up with my best mate in Melbourne after a project shoot and she said, you actually aren't breathing. You need to have a full breath because I wouldn't. I would just go (gasps) like every now and then. And she's like, you just, you're holding your breath. And I think I tend to do that when I'm stressed out a bit. And it just, yeah, it didn't get better for ages. And then remember it was raining all the time as well. It was just like, this is the pits. And then I was like, all right, what can I focus on? What can I control? I can control how I move my body. And I know that exercise for me, and I had to really change the way I think about health and fitness because for a really long time it was all about the aesthetics. I think because I was put on a diet when I was nine years old by a dance teacher and I think that stuck with me and I was pretty loopy about body image and weight and all that kind of thing. But I know for me the only way to get through that mental fog and the, the mental mud that comes with depression and anxiety was to move. And I just, I started just by walking. I'd walk every day and then I kind of would do a little jog and that did help. It, it did help. It wasn't the whole answer, but it, it did make a big difference. So if you just take it back to what can you control and just take it back to the nuts and bolts that's the best place to start. Otherwise, I found that I would just look at everything just going, what a mess, how am I going to fix this? And you get overwhelmed and then you get more paralysed and round and round it goes. So, yeah, therapy's been amazing. Exercise, I mean, you've got to eat well. Annoyingly, I eat my feelings when I'm down as well. (laughs) But that's okay. It is okay, but it's at the same time as well. For me, like, I'm quite addictive in that way and I can't, like, I, I do get into ruts and I'm like, this... As, as much as this pizza's great, it's not helping me, it's not nourishing me. You've got to love yourself a bit better and that includes feeding yourself better. So just things like that, kind of making little tweaks along the way. But your life, your philosophy changes in life, doesn't it, as, as, as you age and you kind of, you almost learn the, the rules for life and you're like, oh, no one ever taught me this before. Oh. But you have to kind of go through it to get there. You need to go through all the hard stuff to get to that point. And we're never there yet. And again, you see, I love this about you too because you talk about the rules of life. Like (laughs) you can write them down in your gratitude journal. (laughs) Dear diary, (laughs) rule number one. Yes, I got 10 out of 10 for that. I'll do the next one. (laughs) And when I say the rules for life, it's sort of things like, you know, realising that no one really knows what they're doing. Everyone's making it up. And if they say they know what they're doing, they're lying to you. Things like that, you know. Um, if learning not to fight against the flow of something, I think sometimes, as I said, I'm a bit of a bull at a gate and I'm so conscientious that I miss the flow state of things where 
it just comes naturally and easily. And that happens when you relax. And there's nothing worse than someone saying, you've got to relax, you've got to relax. And I think what I found, if I just take it back to something super simple and find a reason to be interested in and enjoy something, that then works for me. And then I can get into that flow state. And, and that's when, you know, you're seeing three or four moves happen ahead of you and you're just like, I, I don't have a losing hand here. I've got a winning hand. Every dice I roll, is, it's coming up me. So, but it, yeah, you can fall out of that state pretty quickly as well. And what about fun? You know, you talk about flow, but to me as well, I think it's about finding the fun in it. It's got to be fun, Sarah. Yes, yes. And I, I love a laugh. You know me. Because <laughs> um, you've got ha- such a great sense of humour and you're so smart. You've got the best turn of phrase. Oh, you know, it, I have fun at work, but I actually don't have much fun outside of my work and my kids. And that's something that's probably going to have to change soon because it's you know, all I do is work and all I do is see my kids. That's it. Work kids, work kids. And I love that balance at the moment, but I do need something that's just for me that's that's fun, but I don't know what yet. What can I do? You can come and do cross-stitch with me. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I thought it was like cross-fit. And no. I'm like, well, I've seen your abs. That <laughs> explains a few things. No, but I loved running for a while, but I find I'm getting old. Oh, <laughs> come on. No, like, you, you are not old. old. Oh, but it, like your joints start hurting and stuff. Okay, so, and, and that like pressure like, on your knees. Yeah, but for you, for example, you like Pilates. You loved that, right? And it's something that you just do on your own that you can connect and, yeah. Is that fun for you? It you is. I love it. I love it mm. because it's really, I feel strong and I feel stretched out and I leave feeling taller. And I think... <laughs> I do, don't you reckon? Yeah. You sort of, you, you, hold you just feel like, better. oh, yeah. you know, nice and straight. And so perhaps for you then, if you think about, it doesn't have to be this big thing that's fun. It can be just a small little window. Because realistically, Sarah, your life, it is busier. There's not a lot of other time. Mm. Yeah, there's not a lot of time. And I'm, yeah. I, and it I won't like, always be like this though. I think that's also, this too shall pass. So true, right? And it's just, you, you know, the industry we work in and you have to lean in. You have to lean into certain parts of your life at different stages of your life. There's a great quote that I, I remember reading and I didn't quite understand it all those years ago um, when Quentin Bryce first said it. But she said, women can have it all, but they can't have it all at once. And I thought that was such an interesting thing. I remember being 25 and reading that and going, oh, what does she know? And now that I'm 40, almost 42, going, I do have it all in a way, but to a point. Like there, there are sacrifices that you have to make in certain parts of your life. Sometimes you've got to lean into your work a bit more. Sometimes your children need you to lean in a bit more. Sometimes your friends or, you know, whatever. So, yeah, it's just kind of... Finding the balance and and knowing it's all going to be okay and that made no sense. Don't you dare downplay that because it makes perfect sense because what it does mean is that there is a season for everything. There That's is what a I was time getting at. for everything. That's what you were saying though. I'm a huge believer in that because it is impossible to have every part of your life going a bazillion miles an hour and perfect and amazing and wonderful. That isn't yes. real life. It's not how things work. And so whatever you need to be putting your attention to, that is what you do. And it's not going to be that way all the time. Yeah. And, I, you know, it's 
there's a number of reasons why I'm doing the job, you know, obviously because I love it, but partly because it's for my boys as well. It's about setting up a future for us and making sure we're okay and giving my kids the stuff that I didn't have. I mean, I I think I was raised pretty well and I, you know, I want my boys to never have to want for anything, but at the same time, I don't want to raise dickheads. And I kind of like the fact that I've, I had that humble upbringing and I hope I can instill some of that in my boys. But just if I can work hard now and get a set up, I think it'll be A-OK. But you are A-OK. I am A-OK. Yeah, I'm A-OK. Yeah, because with you as the mum of your beautiful boys, how could they not be all right? How I mean, they're learning from you. Kids absorb so much. It's not about the talking, oh, I'm blah, blah, blah. From seeing what you do, from seeing how hard you work, how much you are devoted to them, the time you're putting into building your career, all those sorts of things, that rubs off on them. They learn that and they see that. Yeah, I hope so. And I No, they you know, do. Yeah, and I think I'm a very invested mum as well. Like I was actually surprised at how much I would enjoy motherhood. I always loved kids, but yes, I don't want to have a baby, but it wasn't a desperate need for it. And it just completely took me by surprise, the love for these boys. And I like the really mundane stuff that comes with motherhood as well. I love going and volunteering at the school. Last year, we were in charge of the kindy disco and, you know, I was there blowing up balloons and putting streamers up until late at night because, like, it was important for my boys. And, yeah, I love doing that stuff. So that was kind of hard to say... I'm not dropping you off. I'm not picking you up every day now and I might be making lunches. That sort of was hard to let go of, but to make the other times count now. Which you are. Yeah. You are doing that. I just have to finally ask you as well. Yes. Love, Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me. Like, Chris Brown. Oh, my God. Oh, I love Chris Brown so much, but no, no. First of all, you don't like cats, so I mean, really. I don't like cats. I don't like cats. No, honestly, it's not even on my... I know this sounds really sad, but I feel like there's no space in my life for it at the moment. And I would... Like, I don't want to give up any time that I have with my boys. I just don't have the time. And if anyone was to come into my life, that would mean that I'd have to give up precious time with my boys in order to accommodate that. You know, I was pretty wild in my 20s. I'm so boring now. Like I just, the last thing I want to do is go to a bar or heaven forbid, get on the dating apps, anything like that. Swipe right. Is that what you do? Oh my God. It's just, I feel like the pressure's off as well. Like I've got my kids now. I don't really need a fella. Do you? I don't need a fella. No, of course you don't. Of course you don't. I've got a toolkit. Yes, we've spoken about that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I'm excellent with repairs. I can hang a picture. You know, I. What do you need them for? I even fixed the toilet at my place a couple of months ago. Also, yeah. Oh, oh, and replaced the seal on my front loader washing machine. Boom. See, there is no doubt about you. You see, you can, Sarah, you can do it all. I love you to bits. Again, I'm just going to finish by saying I'm so proud of you. I love you so much. And I think you're the most extraordinary woman. You're a beautiful friend, a beautiful mum, an incredible journalist, and you've got a big heart and a massive brain. And I love you to bits. 
Jessica Rowe, thank you. And can I ask you one question? Well, of course. So can I claim this session under my uh, mental health plan through my GP or...? <laughs> of course you can. Bog- yeah. <laughs> Jairo, you are the best. Can we be in the same room next I time, know. please? Yes, please. Yay. I love you. Love you. Bye, honey. Thanks, honey. Bye. Oh, my goodness, how much did I love talking with my beautiful friend. All that was missing from that chat was that she wasn't right next to me so I could give her a huge hug. Now, you can catch Sarah behind the project desk on Sunday to Thursday from 6.30pm on 10. For more big conversations like this, follow the Jess Rowe Big Talk Show podcast so you can find out whenever a new episode drops. And if you love this episode with Sarah, I reckon you will love my chat with my husband, Petey. It wasn't long after I came home one night and I couldn't wait to get home and uh, we had couches that faced each other in our living room in our then home and I said, how are you going? You know, expecting it to be all beautiful and beautiful little family with the cat and the new kid and our house and what else could be better? And you said, not not good. I said, what do you mean not good? How could you not be going well? And then bang, the floodgates opened and it was on. And I thought, shit, this is, this is, uh, this is very real. And I remember coming across and giving you a big hug and saying, everything's going to be all right. The Jess Rowe Big Talk Show is hosted by me, Jess Rowe. Executive producer, Nick McClure. She's a wonderful leopard lady. Audio imager, Nat Marshall. Supervising producer, Sam Kavanagh. Until next time, remember to live big. Life is just too crazy and glorious to waste time on the stuff that doesn't matter.